Hi, welcome back to the Manufacturing Come Up. I'm your host, Malachi Greb, where we talk about careers and career advice, how to navigate your career. Today, we have an awesome guest, a CMO of Supply Chain, Sarah Scudder. So I feel like it looks like we transpired ahead of time and coordinated backgrounds, but this just accidentally happened. Green is our color, and so our office is all decked out in green. So I feel like we're twins today. We're twins today. You can, come, you can come over to our shop. We have an awkwardly green wall over there as well. <laughs> so we launched a podcast last year. And so we said, well, we have to have a media room. So now we have this duck, what the duck room in our office that's completely green with duck costumes. And so we've embraced all things green here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So... How have things been at Source Day? You guys are doing a, a really good job on you guys' marketing and, and doing podcasts and just overall being influence, influential and educational in our industry. Yeah, so I joined the Source Day team at the end of 2021. I had spent the first part of my career on the indirect side of supply chain and procurement. So for those who are listening that don't come from a supply chain background, I'll, I'll make sure to try to explain as much as possible. So indirect is when you are sourcing and procuring things that are not going into the end product that you're making. So mm. if I take a look at my hydro flask, anything that goes into the actual water bottle is considered a direct spend or direct materials. Anything outside of what goes into this water bottle, like labor, like office supplies, like marketing, that would be considered an indirect spend. So first part of my career, I was on the indirect side, working for a couple different startups in the um, software supply chain space, selling solutions to help people source and procure things on the indirect side. When I joined Source Day, one of the reasons why I was so interested in becoming a part of the team is we're 100% focused on the direct material side. So we're helping manufacturers um, get a better handle on their supply chain for sourcing, again, things that are going into the direct products that they're manufacturing. Um, so talking a little bit about what we're doing from a marketing perspective, you mentioned our podcast and some of the other things that we've launched. I think the first thing to really understand as a marketer, or if if going into marketing is something that you're interested in or considering, is you need to know where your prospects and buyers are going to get their information. I have had conversations with multiple marketers who have never ever spoken to a customer and who have never spent time in the trenches with the buyers or prospects or people that they think they're trying to sell to. Mm. You need to spend as much time as possible with your customers, with your prospects, with people that fall within your ideal customer profile. They are the ones living and breathing the industry. They're the ones experiencing the pain and they are the ones that are seeking out solutions. So the first Absolutely. thing that my team and I did as we built out a, a marketing team here at Source Day is come up with a, came up with a process around interviewing and gathering market intel. 
So that's one of the most important functions our marketing team provides to our company is spending time interviewing and in person whenever possible um, with our customers and prospects who are again in the trenches living and breathing the industry and having the problems that we think we are trying to solve. Once we have um, these conversations, then it's our job to pull out insights and glean information from them. And that is what drives our marketing strategy and tells us what content we should be producing it and then where we should be distributing that content. So for us, one of the questions I ask and my team asks everyone we talk to, what social media platform do you use the most for business? So we'll get things like, I don't use social media at all. We're selling small and mid-market manufacturers. So we actually have people that don't use social media. I'll have people that don't know what social media is and will say, oh, we use WhatsApp. But nine times out of 10, the responses that we get is that our buyers are going to LinkedIn to consume content. So what does that mean for us? That means that LinkedIn needs to be a very, very important part of our marketing strategy. So that is one example of a channel that we prioritize and dedicate significant time and resources towards because that's where our buyers are going to consume their information. Now that in, in a week and a month, that could change. Our buyers may be pivoting to TikTok or Insta or somewhere else. But if you ask me today, LinkedIn is an essential part of our strategy. Now, it's not just because I think this is where our buyers are going. It's because we've actually done our research and Mm -hmm. we know this is where our buyers are going. So we have a multi-pronged approach for LinkedIn. Um, One of the most important being I personally invest at least one hour a day, seven days a week to doing an organic post on LinkedIn, something that I myself am writing and Mm -hmm. posting. And then I'm spending time reading other posts and engaging and commenting with other people in our industry. I'm also spending time engaging and interacting with the comments on my posts as well. This gives us visibility, establishes our company as a subject matter expert indirect materials supply chain and it's also helping to get out useful information that we have to share that our buyers um, care about we also produce three linkedin live shows a month we have a women in erp show this is important because we do a direct integration with it with a company's erp so erps are very important for us we have a manufacturing supply chain woe show and we have a voice of supply chain show. So on those shows, we bring guests and experts in direct materials to come on and share their stories and share their experiences. So that's pr- providing us with video content that's full mm-hmm. form like this, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. But then we also take that and break that up into short consumable video clips. We pull lots of content from those conversations and that drives a lot of our content strategy, helps mm-hmm. us come up with what we should be writing about and posting about. Yep. 
Um, we also launched a podcast called What the Duck, because I think um, having multiple forms of content is really important. And then we distribute that podcast information via LinkedIn as one of our distribution channels for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we also ha- have several other LinkedIn initiatives that we're doing, including paid LinkedIn ads, which are highly targeted um, before and after events or sp- going after people that are on specific ERPs that we're targeting. But my advice to anyone who's listening, who's in marketing is figure out where your consumers are and then get your content in those in that one channel or in those channels. So I'll mm-hmm. pause there because I know that was a very long answer. <laughs> but LinkedIn yeah. is a key, key part of our strategy. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think that's definitely advantageous for anybody in a marketing role or, or business owner or any type of executive um, is the, the way that you guys are, are, are hosting your interviews to collect data and get and collect insights of what what your customers pain points are uh that's we we've also been putting thought around that as well like how do we how do we introduce customers into our podcast and to be able to you know extract more information from that side of of our industry well it's also important that you have a subject matter expert whether if it's your ceo or founder or somebody internally that knows the industry well and is respected and have that person be the face and the person distributing your content. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that person in-house, I would highly recommend prioritizing that in your budget, whether you bring somebody on full-time or even work with somebody as a contractor, but you need somebody who people respect in the industry and who knows what your customers care about to help drive that content strategy. Yeah, and like as of right now, it's like for us, like we currently have, uh, you know, I'm I'm the primary face to like what we're doing. And then uh, Jenna is kind of getting more up to speed and and kind of getting more involved with, with being that secondary uh, like spokesperson. At some point in time, she might might be one of the the co-hosts of the the manufacturing come up and 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 do some of these type of interviews. I'm not sure if if you want me to highlight and talk about some of the other things we're doing from a marketing perspective. Again, LinkedIn is one of the channels, but we're, we're working on some other initiatives as well uh, that I think are really important to get our message out there in front of the right audience. Before we get into that one, I, I'd like to know what what intrigued you to, to start marketing and start marketing for a manufacturing industry? So I actually started my career in sales. I So in college, my career path was, so I was planning to go into the fashion industry. I did runway modeling in high school. I don't know why, but I developed some love and passion for fashion. People who know me, I, I'm very into style and, and different outfits and things. And so I thought I was going to go work for a company that produced fashion shows and then eventually own my own fashion show production company. My senior year in college, I hired a local company that was actually in the supply chain procurement space. And when I was done working with them, I was putting on a big event for my sorority. I didn't have time to deal with sourcing and procuring um, the marketing elements for our big event. So I outsourced all of it. They said, hey, we would like to have some younger people come work for our company. 
And oh, by the way, we don't really have a lot of females in our industry. We'd love to get some young female talent. Would you be interested in coming and working for us? Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, I have no idea what supply chain is. I don't even know how to spell procurement. It sounds super uncool and sexy. Absolutely not. But I spent more time interviewing and talking and working with um, people within that organization. Again, it's a very, very small company in Sonoma County wine country which was in the town where I was, I was going to Sonoma State University. And I did some soul searching and I realized that I am somebody who probably would not do well in a very, very large company. I'm very random, I'm very quirky. I have my own way of doing things and I'm somebody, I just want you to tell me, okay, your end goal is this and then give me free reign to go do how, whatever I wanna do to accomplish that goal. I am not somebody who is good where I have a lot of parameters and requirements and have to work inside of a box. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to go and work for a very small company so I could learn all aspects of business, customer service, accounting, marketing, sales, and then that would give me a good understanding of what I like and what I don't like and what I eventually wanted to pursue in my career. So I actually took the job. So I started, gosh, literally three days after graduation on the sales team. And again, keep in mind, this was a very, very small organization. So when I say sales, it was kind of like hybrid sales and marketing. Gotcha. But the first thing I did is spend some time studying and researching the market. This was an organization that was um, more tactical and not overly strategic. And I figured that I felt the organization would do better selling a software solution instead of leading with product. I feel like if you're just selling a product and you don't have a big differentiator, you're always going to come down to price. And to add more value in the sale, I figured that it would make sense for us to pivot into a software type sale. So I spent time researching the market, gathering my data. I actually went and met with the CEO, presented my case. He agreed with me, very risky. I could have very easily been told to get lost or who do you think you are? You're some random college grad coming and telling me how to run my business. So then I helped our organization pivot our model and our strategy throughout the next 12 months. And we started selling supply chain software to help organizations automate and better manage their marketing procurement spend. Mm. Um, so throughout, throughout this process and this journey, I started doing enterprise sales in the software space, really tried to hone in and find a niche and a, a, a target for us. I feel if you target everyone, your market is too big and you're not specific enough. So we actually decided to really hone in and focus on the restaurant space. So we targeted and sold our software to a national restaurant chains. So that was a, a big vertical um, for our first couple of years. So anyway, fast forward, I was in sales um, for several years. And one of the things I started realizing is I was spending so much time outbounding trying to find people and then reach out to them. And it's very, very hard if somebody doesn't know you or trust you to get a call or get a meeting or get their attention. And I said, there's gotta be a better way. How can I educate the market at scale so when they're ready for a solution like ours, they actually come inbound. So I actually wanted to kind of reverse the process. 
So I said, okay, where are our buyers going to consume information? And at that time for us, it was LinkedIn as well. So I said, I'm going to do a trial for 90 days. I'm going to post some useful, relevant content that I create for 90 days straight. So every single day, I'm going to go on and do a post. I'm going to start spending more time on LinkedIn, engaging and commenting on other people's posts as well. And after my 90 days was up, I was actually kind of surprised with how successful it was. Now, if you're asking what does success look like, success looks like engagements, comments, me gathering market intel, and people starting to actually reach out to me versus me having to always outbound. So I really, really developed a passion and love for the education and content creation piece of the market. And I decided over time that that was really something that I wanted to do permanently. And that's how I decided to kind of pivot and change my career into marketing. Gotcha. So you kind of internally uh, shifted your your career positioning from your, your sales position. Absolutely. And I, I would argue that having a sales background makes me a much better marketer because yeah, our job in marketing is to build, educate the market at, st- at scale, drive inbounds. For us, that means qualified mm-hmm. pipeline inbound opportunities for our sales team. We want people yeah. coming to us that are already educated, that have budget and that are ready to buy. So it's yep. more of a handoff to the sales team. And I am able, I feel like, to be able to set up a department and structure that does that because I come from sales and I know what it's like and I know how the process works. So I would argue that if somebody has a sales background and is interested in marketing, it's actually a big benefit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was one of the things that I had learned a lot over the past few years is is that. You know, I didn't come from a sales background, so like, but I've kind of understood marketing prior to prior to launching Elite Automation. You know, I did like some a YouTube fitness channel, and and through that, like, I learned marketing, but like, still had never had had sales uh, background. And then so with with starting a company, and like, you kind of learn like you're you're trying to drive a different end result. Like, it's not you're not just producing content and and producing as much content as you can, but it's you're, you're trying to sculpt that content to be uh more directive and more uh more so communicating to a particular audience and you know that's one thing where we've shifted and over the past year like we went from just doing like a bunch of different automation related content to now it's like getting much more specific on like robotic welding and and weld fixtures and so that way people can start to look at us and identify us as a, a robotic welding company uh, versus like looking at our company and be like, what do these guys do? Yeah, you, you're niching down. Yeah. And I think that that's super important. You can't really do that until one, you start to identify that you like you're talking to that your customer. Right. And then like, what are your customers? What are your customers pains? What are what are their procurement processes look like? Right. Because people are procuring capital equipment from us. So uh, they're they're looking at, you know the issues that they're dealing with with other vendors. Maybe it's like lead times. Maybe it's they're delivering things that uh, that are not what was initially sold to them. Maybe maybe costing is really high because there's a, a super 
super high demand for for that type of product and there's not a lot of people who are willing to do that type of work and so identifying those things makes it easier to and it even gives you the ability to right you don't even have the ability to like create content to talk to those pains and talk to those particular audiences if you don't already have those insights yeah if you don't know how can you address it how can you talk about it how can you write about it so what have been some of your some of your other shifts like when, after you transitioned into marketing it was a somewhat easier transition for you because you came from sales uh and then you're really just kind of switching from being outbound to more inbound traffic so um joined source day to to spearhead and and build out our marketing function and marketing department um, I would say some of the the key initiatives and learnings um, that, that I've been working on over the last year. One is don't take on too much at once. So I have uh, marketing friends who work at companies that are like, we're going to go after every social media channel. We're going to invest in Twitter. We're going to invest in TikTok. We're going to invest in Insta. We're going to invest in LinkedIn. You can't do everything well. Right. So pick one thing for us that was LinkedIn and crush it. Get yep. to know the space well, get it performing. Then once you have something that's performing well and under control, then you can consider adding a second and or third channel. But do not expect that you are going to go out and just rock 10 or 15 channels at once. It takes mm -hmm. time. It takes trial and error. It takes yeah. subject matter expertise. So start small and build out. So for us, LinkedIn was absolutely the number one. Again, we have many initiatives tied to that, but that was the most important thing. The other thing that we did on all of our forms on our website and any form that we create, we've added a how did you hear about us field. This is a required open text field. So if you request a demo or contact us, our, our CTA, our call to action on our website is demo request. So that's what we're driving towards. But we also have some other forms, like if you register for an event. And we ask every single person, how did they hear about us? This is really important for me and my team, and this is data that I actually look at every single week so I can see what people are saying about how they heard about us. I would argue that attribution software does not do a good job of capturing where inbounds come. For example, if I go into Salesforce and look at an inbound that actually came in last night, it would tell me Google or Google search. But if I actually pull up the inbound form, the person said LinkedIn. So you need to know where are people hearing about you and then making sure that you're investing time and resources in those areas. Another example is we launched our podcast about seven months ago. Again, it's called What the Duck. It's a very, very niche podcast focused on direct materials procurement. So not a massive audience, but it's very, very niche, very, very targeted. Hmm. How are we going to track the success of our podcast? It's something that we invest you know, time and resources in, but doing attribution towards a podcast can be challenging. Mm -hmm. So one way that we can see if our podcast is effective is how many inbounds do we get a month that say they heard about us from our podcast? 
right? Um, now our, po our podcast gives us really useful content that drives a lot of the posting and um, video content yeah. and, you know, all these other um, important metrics. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, we're creating a podcast to try to drive revenue for the company. Yeah. And that's yeah. important. Um, so really, really think about what's that one channel, what's that second or third channel, but don't take on too much at once. And then make mm -hmm. sure you're tracking how people are actually hearing about you, not what your attribution software is, is necessarily telling you. Gotcha. Yeah, one one thing that's slightly different in my, in my marketing strategy is that um, I like to go across all platforms. It's not necessarily don't don't spend a ton of resources and energy towards it, but I'm a, I'm I'm a pretty big uh, proponent of of at least posting to those platforms. Maybe not putting a lot of energy towards them, but like say for instance, like Reels, Shorts, any of those vertical short form videos, those are all performing really well right now. Where LinkedIn had one for like a short period of time and then it went away. Um, I kind of wish they still had it, but you know, I think that capturing those extra eyeballs and capturing those people in different places is also a good source of, uh, of gaining attraction and attention. But then also, like you said, like you can't do all these things and, and, and lose, lose like the, the insight and tracking of like this particular thing that you're focused on. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you can, with a click of a button, use scheduling software and auto schedule something to 10 or 15 platforms, that's your choice if you're going to do that. And it's a, it's a small lift, but I would challenge you to add a, how'd you hear about us and see mm. what people are telling you about yeah. where they're actually hearing about you. And I think you may be surprised that some of these channels that you're posting to may not really be driving the results and performance that that you are expecting yeah no i definitely like that that how did you hear about us thing because like there could be there could you could have a a major channel that's actually supplying your supplying your leads that you didn't even expect it could be something that was like you know like say for instance like we we don't anticipate as a company that the manufacturing come up really drives a lot of our end customers to our door uh, this is kind of more of like a give back to the community. It's more of a uh, helping people throughout their career path. And uh, but if we if we track some metrics like that, we might find out that the manufacturing come up is actually where a lot of a lot of our you know customers may come from. And then another um, important assessment that we did at Source Day is understanding our our events a useful resource for us? And then if so, how much time and resources should we spend? So for us, uh, events is broken into three different tiers. We have trade shows. So this is where you actually sponsor, potentially do a booth, and you invest pretty heavily in going out and making an appearance at a trade show. Second is webinars. These are things that we run and do online. And then third are user groups. We are very, very niche. We integrate with six different ERPs. So we're highly targeted and focused on reaching out to manufacturers that are on one of these six ERPs. And one of the important things I think to look at is what is the actual revenue impact that events have on your company? I have marketing friends that work for organizations that spend millions and millions of dollars on going to trade shows. And I would argue if they actually dove into the data and metrics, they would be 
shocked to see how little of an ROI they were actually getting from those trade shows. So you need to go in and actually tie inbound opportunities that you get from a trade show all the way through the process to either closed one or closed lost. Now for us, we actually have found that events are a very, very impactful part of our marketing strategy. And we actually do drive revenue, which means we close deals that come inbound from events. Now, what we've done is we've repositioned our strategy and we are only going to in-person events that are for one of the six ERPs that we integrate with. So we integrate with NetSuite, we integrate with Sightline, we integrate with Visual. So NetSuite has a conference. We're going to go to that conference because most of the people there are on that ERP or considering using that ERP. So what we did is we cut out any events that were not ERP specific. So that was something, a big shift that we did. Um, because when we looked at the data, it showed the most impactful trade shows were the ones that were highly targeted on specific ads for specific ERPs. So I'm saying this because as a marketer, you really, really want to look at your event budget and track back what is actually generating revenue. And I would argue you're probably spending a fair amount of money on trade shows that you shouldn't be sponsoring. Now, maybe the, the strategy is to pivot and just send somebody or a couple people to walk the floor and network and meet people and go for education, but not spend the 10 or 20 or 30, 40, $50,000 on the actual booth piece of it. Yeah. Um, for webinars, same thing for us. We found that webinars are a very important part of our marketing influence. So the other thing that we track is how many deals do we as a marketing team influence? And our number is very, very high. We influence almost every deal that our company closes. And webinars is an important part of that strategy. So one, it makes sense for us to continue doing webinars. We've pivoted our strategy and we're doing very, very niche ERP specific webinars. So highly targeted content, highly targeted outbounding for those events. Same with our user groups. These are heavily driven through our partners. Partners is a very big part of our marketing strategy. And we're going to user groups that are supported for sp these specific ERPs. Yeah, I think that's super key thing that you're doing there that you've like niched down the the events that you're attending. Like I think people like they talk about niching down on things, but like then they'll they'll attend all these different events and, and also like you said, like this the cost is so so high at these events. Uh like we're still we're still have not even attended events uh with with a booth and whatnot because we're still trying to justify whether that ROI is really worth and, it. And for you, you may decide your strategy is you just attend. You you don't yeah. ever need to do a booth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like as of right now, I, I do highly encourage and think the investment is worth uh, sending some people out to to attend events, right? To just go out there, network, shake hands, and, and, and uh, be familiar with the industry. And especially if you can send the 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 face or representative of of those of your events that's why like you'll see like a lot of times it's me and jenna at an event sometimes we'll bring a couple other people with us but you know it's it's because like i'm going out there as ceo to 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 communicate network and network with people gain some more stronger fundamental relationships and it's not i'm not gonna say that it's not sales right but it's 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 
distilling something that's deeper than than just a, a transactional sell and and that's where it, it's also a kind of like a marketing initiative to go out and make those introductions create those relationships and well and, and the most impactful thing you can do is get a speaking gig so, so yeah. you want to figure out how you can get on stage, how you can have a breakout session, how you can be a mm -hmm. keynote. So as you're building yourself as a subject matter expert, you want to build out your network. So yeah. you become a sought after speaker and then the, the ROI will um, be a, a, a big, big game changer if you're able yeah. to actually be on the agenda. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also too, like, uh, you know, that's one of our objectives right now is like, is like, you know, uh, being being notarized as like the subject matter expert and just getting more involved with the the speaking engagement type of stuff. Because, you know, prior to this past year, like we didn't have anybody that that focused on speaking engagements. Right. And that that initiative of because of, it's a whole process. I mean, I'm not sure if you got how much you guys are doing right now, but like until you become very, very well known as a speaker in the industry, that you don't have people directly like reaching out to you. You kind of have to apply for these things. Somebody has to approve uh, that you're, you know, you are a subject matter expert or that, that the, the topic you're going to speak on that. Um, Which is why I would argue that building your own community is so important. Mm -hmm. Having your own podcast, having your own LinkedIn live show. I launched something called all hands on duck. It's a supply chain community meetup group that I host twice a month. Anyone in supply chain globally is welcome to attend, whether you're on the buy or the supply side. Each time I have a different topic that we discuss, it's something that I actually launched during COVID, um, just really took off. And now because people are, are back out in the world, uh, we were meeting weekly. Now we do it twice a month. But doing things like that make you top of mind and make you become more of a subject matter expert. So when somebody is coordinating their own podcast or their own event, they think of you. Yes, absolutely. Super powerful. I think that, that we're going to see uh, for, for the, the future to come, that there's gonna be a lot of people who start to start to release more podcasts and start to do more media production and transitioning from our old style of marketing to this newer style of marketing. Yeah, and I would I would argue I am not a fan of paid media. So I get hit up, I want to say, gosh, almost every single week with a publication that wants to charge me to do a source day feature, feature me, feature our CEO. And I would argue that is not the best use of your, your money come up with your own content strategy, write your own content, build your own community so you can do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like, if you, if you look at like the exposure and cost, like as of right now, I don't know, I don't think we're doing anything that's, that's paid, paid anything uh, as of right now. And like, so there's like been a lot of things that have, uh, that, that we've either done for free, we've been paid for it. Like, you know, say for instance, like I did a thing with Ivy tech, Ivy tech community college. They, you know, they paid to essentially for us to shoot a commercial with them. We're on some billboards with them. And, and this is all covered by, by the community college because, you know, we're uh, just because our influence in the industry and because we were able to, uh, create create that impact that that was something that was a stem because i actually graduated from their school as well so like that were a direct stem of like what can what can be accomplished from from their college degree to now and uh 
and, and those things just kind of they, they come to you over time and, and and not only do you not need to invest but uh, when it comes to exposure that sometimes you can start becoming paid for for these different things yep absolutely but the key is that you're not paying you're you're volunteering you're being asked or you're being paid but yep. be very very cautious of paying somebody else to feature you in their own publication what are you kind of seeing uh for for your future and your career so and i want to make sure i know we only have a few minutes left i know when we were prepping you wanted me to talk a little bit about jobs in the supply chain space um yep. so I'll, I'll make sure I, I circle back to that as well but i am super weird and i love supply chain so I see myself staying in the supply chain space for the rest of my career. I randomly fell into it my senior year in college, and I absolutely love it. I think it is strategic. It's innovative. I think there's so much happening. Companies are starting to invest heavily, hiring smart people, putting resources behind it. So supply chain is absolutely my thing, and I plan on staying in the space. And so far, now that I've pivoted into marketing, I absolutely love it. The whole mm -hmm. brand building, education, um, driving inbound, driving awareness is just really exciting and fun yeah. and interesting. So I, I think I've, I've definitely found my jam and found my my stride in the marketing space. So I'm, I'm planning to, to stay um, doing something marketing focused always in the future do you feel like how much of of like what you're doing in in your marketing position now is, is are like initiatives that you put in place versus like was the vision of the company uh, prior yeah, to that? i would say um, so when i started um at source day there was um two people for the marketing department as that was it now we're a team of nine so um i've really been able to help set the whole strategy, set the vision, build out a very strategic team, which is one of the reasons why I love what I'm doing is I like to build. If I'm coming in and maintaining, not my thing, but I'm getting to help do the research, come up with the strategy, figure out the content, figure out the messaging. So definitely something that I really enjoy doing. Um, if if you are listening to this and don't have a supply chain background, don't know what supply chain is, if it's if it's a profession that you've not even considered, I would highly, highly recommend at least if, if you're looking to make a pivot in your career, I would definitely recommend at least doing some research and spending some time chatting to some people in supply chain. I am happy to have a conversation if you're interested in supply chain and want to reach out to me on LinkedIn. But there's a lot happening in the industry and a lot of jobs. And when I say a lot of jobs, I mean people who are in supply chain and in procurement. So these are positions where you are coming in to help do tactical and strategical work to collaborate and work with existing suppliers. So who is actually supplying the parts and materials or the services that your company is buying, but then also going out and saying, are these the right suppliers that you should be working with today? Just because you worked with a supplier 10 years ago doesn't mean they're the right partner for you. So going out and doing research and figuring out who should be your supply base and then also diversifying. So one of the things that COVID has really taught us is you cannot rely on one key supplier for everything. 
really important in the manufacturing space. We had clients who had one chipboard supplier or one supplier for a part or one supplier for a material. And when COVID hit and that supplier was shut down or out of commission, they literally were scrambling because they had no alternative suppliers to go purchase from. And what that means eventually is your production line is going to shut down and you're not going to have product to sell. So all of these things that have happened have made supply chain more important, more strategic. Supply chain is now getting more visibility from the executive leadership team. You're seeing more chief supply chain officers or chief procurement officers now who are actually at the C-suite level, who are having, who are in board meetings, who are import of uh, part of those very strategic conversations. And then what they're doing is they're upscaling their teams. They're hiring smarter business savvy people. They're paying better because they know they need to get people in here who can be agile, who can be nimble, who can assess what's happening and make really smart decisions for the company. Yeah, absolutely. Supply chain is a super, super important role. I mean, it's shutting down, shutting down an entire company if it's not done appropriately. Yeah. And I would say, you know, supply chain is not just cutting a purchase order. Right. Um, there's so much more involved than just that. And I think supply chain, you know, 10 or 20 years ago probably did not have the best reputation. It was kind of a more tactical entry level. Somebody stuck behind a computer all day, answering emails and creating spreadsheets and cutting purchase orders. That is so not what the industry mm -hmm. is today. Do you have any last valuable points you'd like to give back to the community? So do you have any sense of what percentage of your community is in a marketing role? Do we have a fair amount of marketing listeners to the show? Uh, I think they're going to probably be a little bit more on the, the actual manufacturing side of things. So it'll be like more of your supply chain engineers uh, and also younger in their career. So given that, a couple pieces of advice. One is figure out how to embrace technology as much as possible. You may be working for a smaller mid-sized manufacturer with very um, old school processes. Your, your organization may have been doing the same thing for a very long time, but I would challenge you to go out and find a better way to do what you're doing. Oftentimes that's leveraging some sort of technology and then learn how to build a business case, learn how to go out and assess the market and come in and present solutions to your team. Your executive leadership team will pay attention and will notice if you are coming very proactively with strategic solutions. The other thing I would suggest is spend time tracking how much manual work you are doing on a daily and weekly basis. When I say manual work, I mean very tactical things that you feel could be automated. Like how many hours a day are you spending responding to supplier emails? How many hours a day are you spending taking data and inputting it into a spreadsheet? And once you are able to track and look at this sort of data, you can actually look at what are things that you can do from a process perspective and, again, from a technology perspective to automate 
this work for you and your team so you can go and be more strategic. Just because you've always done something and it's been a very manual process doesn't mean it's the best way to do that. I think that's something that's extremely important to pay attention to, especially as as like the tools like these AI, and there's already software on the market, but like a stuff like AI, like that's gonna open up. If you're already in that space and looking for new technologies to automate processes, you're gonna see stuff about the new things that are coming up in AI and you're gonna catch them the week or two they come out and, and be able to jump on board with that as quickly as possible. Cause there's so many things where you can do like, just automate the process of, of whatever you're doing in a daily task, whether it's extracting data out of an email, whether it's responding back to an email based on a certain response, like these tools are, are, are out there and they're, they're becoming much, much more powerful. Yeah. And, and then the other thing would be to really, really go out and learn the industry as much as possible. Curiosity is really important. And I will tell you one of the things that I look for when I'm hiring is not necessarily a bunch of industry knowledge. It's people who are curious, who are always seeking and wanting to know more. So spend time getting to know your company, getting to know your industry, not just being focused on your specific job function, but when you have a holistic picture of your entire organization, you will be a better supply chain leader and a better contributor to your organization. Me as CEO, that's what I'm investing a lot of my time in right now is like, what what are what's going on outside of our company? What's going on for our customers? What's going on for the industry as a whole? Like what's going on for like even things like the AI and like the automated of, of, of you know, uh, our admin tasks and whatnot. Like who knows, we may decide that we're going to pivot in our company instead of just being a manufacturing automation company. Maybe we were a, you know, an, an admin automation company as well, because we see the power in automation for what we do for manufacturing. Uh, what about the the business side of things? Well, where can people find you, Sarah? So I'm a LinkedIn addict, a LinkedIn junkie. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So best way to reach me is um, type in Sarah Scudder, manufacturing maven, send me a note. Um, let me know that you listen to the show, heard our conversation, happy to connect. If you're interested in learning more about manufacturing or supply chain and want to set up a time to chat, just let me know and, and happy to have some, some of those conversations as well. Thank you, Sarah, for being here today and sharing your valuable information. Uh, I think we all have, have had the opportunity to learn something valuable today. Awesome. And I have to plug go team green and, uh, my what the duck podcast. So a uh, very fun way to learn about supply chain and direct materials procurement. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Go check it. Go check them out, guys.